Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Boom. We fly in. What up, y'all? We are back for another episode of In the Huddle. It is me, Jason Brown. Miles is here. We got Dave in the truck. We're going to talk about the press conference. We're going to talk about the combine. Talk about Kirk, Zim, all kinds of stuff. So uh, come on right back. We got the rolling, and then I'm going to have a little conversation. Talk to you soon. Huddle Around as Climbing the Pocket Network presents... Jason and the boys talking everything Minnesota Vikings. What's going on, y'all? We are live, and you are right. Tacos do bring a smile to everyone's (laughs) face. What up, Nick? What up, Vikings Jerome? What up, Miles? How you doing, my man? What up? How you been? Doing pretty good. You know, just living life, busy, word. a lot of stuff going on, but word, word. I feel like I'm not the only one feeling that way. <laughs> yeah, I feel you on that one. You know, last week I got to meet in the flesh, the man, the myth, the legend, the flip mozzie when I was out in California. It was a nice oh, visit. Yeah, yeah. Got dope. to catch up. See, see how flip was living out there, balling in LA. You know, we're all trying to get like flip. So <laughs> nice to meet another member yeah. of the CTP fam in person. Well, let's jump in. You know, it's the off season. We're going to try to get right to it. And obviously the thing people are talking about today, Quasey had his press conference at the Combine. Uh, Miles, what were your big takeaways from it? How'd you feel he handled everything? Uh, yeah. What, what are your impressions? I I feel like I, this doesn't, I don't mean to, I don't want to keep, keep discussing like the old regime and all that, but it's hard not to when it's so fresh when you have a brand new regime and the old regime just left and they've been here for a long time. Um, and it's hard not to always com- have those comparisons. But right now I think we might, maybe would we, we would have felt this with any new regime, but it just kind of does feel like a, a breath of fresh air, like crazy talking to the media, like as a, like a real conversation and taking real thought and respect and understanding into every question he gets. It's not just some half-assed answer. It's not just some, you know, he, he provides some clarity on to why, like I, he had a, he had a question about Kirk and he said, I, I want to give you more, like, I, I hate to give you a general answer, but you know, there's only so much I can, I can discuss here. Like those types of things, it, it just feels refreshing. And it feels like he's, he's very much open to the idea that I think for one, he doesn't seem to be that great of a liar. So he tries to hold himself back. But at the same time, I, I, I kind of like that that's, He's not quite there yet because it's nice to see some of the like facial, like the facial, uh, 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 facial expressions and, and those types of things that he makes and some of the body language just to like, you could tell that he's not quite there yet. And I like that. I like the natural aspect of that. 
Yeah, it definitely felt like there was a there was a level of authenticity, but also a level of respect in all of his interactions that were a bit different. Like you could tell, you know, down the line, um, you know, Zim would get a little gruff with the media. Like you could tell yeah. it was a very adversarial sort of an, uh, uh, relationship for him when he was kind of interacting with the media. Um, you know, when Thomason was on, you know, Vikings happy hour and he was telling the story about Les Frazier taking the media out after he was fired and then Zim just kind of like packing up and dipping, like you could tell it was different. And it, it is interesting when like Quasi yeah. speaks to pretty much anyone, it just feels like there's just a level of respect there. It's not like, Hey, I'm up here. I'm the GM, like kind of bow down to me sort of thing. It's like, you're here. I'm going to, you asked me a question. So I'm going to take some care and thought. And and respect you enough to give you maybe not a fully honest answer, but at least a respectful, thoughtful answer, which is a, yeah. which a nice, th- nice thing to see. And, uh, you know, some of those things as he was getting into it, obviously, like, you know, Vikings Jerome, thank you for teeing us up here. But, you know, Danielle Hunter was one of the first things people asked about in terms of, like, is he going to be here? Is he going to be back? Quasi talked about linking up with him um, and, and having some conversations um about his future with the vikings i guess obviously they're not going to reveal very much in these sort of things but i guess did you take anything like you said he's not all the way in there he's not as great with the uh with the lying and 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 kind of hiding things just yet was there anything that you took away from the way he talked about you know Danell or really any of the other players yeah I, one thing i want to make note of i don't want to turn this into into a kirk show because we've done that ad nauseum, but I think obviously he's a talking point, right? Um, One thing I noticed, I'm trying to find the quote. Um, Where did it go? Oh, there it is. So we're going to do what's best for for him. Well, yes, that part, that part, I I think I I like that, like uh, honesty. But one thing that he mentioned about Daniel Hunter, he said, he's someone that we'd like to work with moving forward. And now, I only mention that quote because it's not that I don't think that they don't want to work with Kirk moving forward, but they haven't made that type of committal open like statement about Kirk. They've talked about, Oh, we're excited to work with Kirk. You know, we're excited. Like Kirk's here. He's under contract, like those things. And I think they're, they're handling the Kirk situation as best they can right now, because as much as whatever fence people are on, whatever side of the fence people are on with Kirk, like nothing's set in stone with him yet. Like the only thing we do know is he's under contract, but like, we don't know what the future is going to hold with him in Minnesota. We don't know if they're going to trade him. We don't like the only thing we know he won't, won't happen to Kirk is he won't get cut. Like they can't cut him. So like, that's the only thing that we know that can't happen. Um, but we haven't heard this regime. Again, I still believe that they want to have a, a like get an extension done and do those things, but we haven't heard them come out and say, we want to work with him moving forward as like this long-term building building block to our team, to our new foundation, to our team. Um, and I just thought that that the way he phrased that quote was interesting because we just haven't heard that type of uh, commitment to Kirk. And again, that doesn't mean it won't happen. Doesn't mean it can't. I just thought that there's a little bit more of a definitive in that like phrase that we haven't heard. And maybe Hunter will yeah. get traded tomorrow. Who knows? But like, <laughs> <laughs> and and what were your thoughts? Because again, it's it's one of those things that's really honest, but that again, you don't usually hear GMs say it as as directly. Is yeah, you know, we're gonna do what's best for us. 
And Kirk is going to do what's best for him. Just kind of laying it out there. And then again, saying like, I feel like there's a lot of space in the middle where we can figure something out. And it seems as though Nick Olson and others have pointed out like, and I think we've said it many times on the show, like Kirk is a very good quarterback. Mm-hmm. Are there some things that he can work on? Are there some mental things that like can can give you doubts? Yes, absolutely. But Kirk is a very good quarterback. Worse quarterbacks than Kirk have had success in the playoffs and won the Super Bowl. The issue has always been one of value. And so I'm really interested to to, to see how this all plays out mm-hmm. because Quasey also mentioned his economics background, right? And he seems to really right, be yeah. taking a non-emotional look at this whole thing and really thinking about it in terms of value for the team to build a consistent long-term contender. That's a word that we've heard. That's a phrase, excuse me, that we've heard over and over and over and over again. It's not about next season. And that's something we've been screaming from the rooftops that we want to see from the Vikings for a long time is like, stop thinking about next season. Think about how we can win consistently over the long term. And so it does very yep. much seem that when Quasey's thinking about things, it's like, yes, Kirk is good. If we have Kirk, we'll probably be a good, better football team next season. But also, like, I don't want to hamstring my team for the long term. And so, uh, as, as like you said, they haven't been very committal to it. Um, do you think that's them just kind of posturing from a negotiation standpoint and, like, they're, they're going to work something else out? Or... Do you really think that there's like a real possibility that Kirk Cousins could be in a different jersey next year? I think everything is on the table. I I think if Kirk was willing to play ball and meet the Vikings halfway, you would hear more of a committal. Like if Quazy felt that there was more of a middle ground to meet, you would hear more of that committal speak because they would think, we'll find a way to get something done. As of now, like again, this could change over the coming weeks. The new league year doesn't start for another couple of weeks. Um, but as of now, it just feels like Kirk set in, in what he's what him and his reps are set in what they're looking for. And my assumption is based off what you just said about creating sustained success. Um, Quazy came into a situation with a tough cap, a tough cap situation. The Vikings are like 15 plus over the cap right now. Uh, <laughs> they're fit, like 15 over the cap right now. And they have um, a lot of aging, um, aging and expensive veterans, and so they have to be meticulous about the moves that they make with those guys to determine their path forward. And obviously, the two most important players right now in that in that instance are Kirk and, and Hunter. And so Kirk's number one because he's the guy that is going to take up the most amount of your cap space long term, whether you know or you know whatever kind of extension if that's possible would look like he's the he's the most expensive player in your roster so ideally he's the person that's going to be the priority one because you need to know what that path looks like so you can figure out which which path you need to go down from there from whatever happens with Kirk what's the path moving forward and so um for me that's why I talked about the lack of commitment because until there is a true meeting in the middle which I don't think we're going to see from Kirk's side they might just have to – again, that's why I think everything's on the table. I think Quazy and KOC have done a good job of uh, – like, like to your point, he's a good quarterback. That Like that can't be disputed. Kirk is a very good quarterback. He's not an elite quarterback. I think everybody understands that. There are limitations to his game. But the biggest hindrance of Kirk 
is his contract. It's I would say that more than anything else, it's the contract and what kind of not just the like numbers, it's the structure of the contract. If Kirk constantly wants two or three year deals that are fully guaranteed that repositions him to to be in this this exact same position in three years, all that does is hurt the Vikings. And so unless he's willing to come off of that ledge to do that, I think Quazy's not going to budge because Quazy understands he has to have some means of flexibility moving forward for this roster. Otherwise, he's just going to be, he might end up in the same situation the only regime, regime came into, but they had a longer leash. So, like, that, that's where I think Miles, the hope is. Miles, I hate to cut yeah, you off here, but can we hit pause on the show real quick. Dave, can you just pull up the last, the last quote from, uh, from Jake? Jake Anderson. Any of the quotes from Jake Anderson. Shout out to the man, Jake. But just look at that. Look at Jake's Avi. Look at him in there looking like a million bucks. Just <laughs> cheesing out there, living his best life. I just wanted everyone to just soak in the glory that is the homie Jake. Looking good, living his best life. I'm sorry I cut you off. But, like, I was distracted by by Jake just up there smiling at us while he was giving us those quotes. It's fire. It's fire. Yeah, I love it. No, that's great. <laughs> Um, no, no, that's great. And everybody in the, in the comments is right. I think it's, it's really, I will say it's really easy for us to make the like disconnect or like find the disconnect and find the like finality of it. Like we're all a lot. I think most people here would be okay. Almost any route that happens. I think I've kind of got to the point where I'm cool with whatever, unless it's that three years, $84 million fully guaranteed contract. Now I know the number would be higher than that, but like, if they do that again, I think I think that's where you'll see me start to backtrack a little bit. But if they if they find a way to do a reasonable extension with Kirk, I'll get on board because I can understand why they'd want to le- why they want him long term and they'd want to start building out the roster and ha- have an understanding of who their quarterback is. But right now, I I don't think they can plan what that what the long term viewpoint of the quarterback is unless until they have some sort of final solution there and and we probably won't hear for a couple weeks what that looks like all right last question on the press conference what were your thoughts on the way he spoke about you know o'connell and their relationship and how they're going to work together um and like how does that make you feel about how things are going to move going forward obviously it's the first season the bullets really haven't started flying for them yet they're not really like there's pressure there's always pressure but it's not like you know, the real pressure just yet. Uh, yes. What are your thoughts on it? Um, and Jake, that was real. I already, I gave you a shout out on yeah. Twitter. You're looking good. You're looking happy, man. That wasn't off the top rope. That was me just, you know, giving you a shout out. You're out here. You know, most of us, most of the folks in the comments are anonymous, Jake. You're, you're doing it and looking good while you're doing it. So, you know, no shade whatsoever. Uh, back to you, Miles, Kevin O'Connell. Uh, what are your thoughts on his relationship with, with Quasi as as spoken to by Quasi? I like hearing it's not what I like everything you we've talked about with Quasi, everything feels authentic. And I feel like his relationship with, with O'Connell is authentic. And I feel like they very much have on the same wavelength. Now, there's gonna be disagreements. Like I know everything right now is like the honeymoon period. There will be those periods where they butt heads, there'll be those periods where they don't agree on things, but I think the one thing that you'll understand that, again, going back to the previous regime, there isn't going to be that full on, we're not going to talk to each other for three months 
we're just going to bash each other to the media types type of involvement with each other. Like they're not going to get to that point because they understand the importance of what it's what's at hand. And I think they just have too much respect for each other. And so what I appreciate from that relationship so far is that they do very much feel like they're in lockstep with whatever decisions they're making moving forward and how to, and that vision for how to rebuild, retool, reset, however you want to say it, building a foundation of a roster. So, um, so I, I love, I love that comment and I love, um, it's only, it's been a short period of time, but you can already tell how much work that they've put in over the last couple of weeks since O'Connell came in, came into the building, um, where they are. I know they got they're they're the last team in the league to have their head coach in place. And, and so they kind of got a, a little bit of a, a late start, but I think that's okay. I think they already had a, a lot of foundational stuff in place that helped that where they could have O'Connell hold off a little bit. So, um, but I love that they seem to be in lockstep with each other and, um, with the direction of the, of the team. Yeah. And the thing that really stood out for me is, um, Spielman and Zim, it just felt very much like a, it was a football only relationship. Like everything about, yeah. and like Rick would talk about Zim was very much Zim, the football coach, the type of football guy that he was. And the thing that I'm appreciating is that it, uh, it seems like an authentic, like human relationship first. Like obviously there's the football stuff. There's the work that they need to get done, but it seems like on a human level, they actually like one another. And it's a lot easier to go through hard shit when you like the people that you're working with. So like that in and of itself felt like just a difference again, in the way that Quasi was talking about things, he was talking about like people, not just like football guy pawns that you're going to move around in service of the end goal. Um, and that that sort of language and this talk of collaboration and how folks are going to work together, like that's kind of shown through in all of the interactions from all of the coaching hires, everyone that they brought in. Everyone has been on the same page uh, in terms of like the type of environment that we're going to have and how folks are going to interact with one another. And so it'll be very interesting to see, uh, like you said, when rough times hit, if they're able to actually uh, – yeah, if they're able to actually keep this all going when times get a little tough. Yeah. Um, oh, you, you hold on real quick. One, one, one last point on that. He had mentioned someone had asked him about the hierarchy within the, the front office and and how um, Ryan Grigson, the guy that they hired to be, I don't, I don't even know his exact role, but like it's a senior advisor within the front office that they brought over from Cleveland. I think everybody knows Grigson from his time with the Colts. Um, they asked about the hierarchy there. What I love from the answer from Quazy that feels authentic, again, this feels authentic, everybody seems to be, like, they, they all know who's in charge, but they all seem to be on the same level. There's no, like, hey, if you have an idea, you have a thought, you can't come to me and you can't mention it, and I'm just going to shoot it down. It feels like there's that level of respect across the board where if anybody has something to say, it's going to be heard. And, yes, it might not it might not follow through, but, like, everybody will be heard. Everybody will be will have a say at the table and then they'll make a, a collaborative decision. Um, and how, again, Quasi is that final decision maker, but they will have like a collaborative effort in make in decision making. And I, and I thought that was something that, that sounds like it should hold true. Um, hearing him say that and the way he's spoken to the media so far, it kind of feels like that's not bullshit. And sometimes you can kind of read between the lines on some bullshit. And so, 
you know, obviously, again, time will time will always tell. But as of now, that it feels like that's the approach. Um, so I'm I'm just excited to see that play itself out. But I'm also really curious to see what happens after the draft. I know we don't need to get too far down the weeds here, but Quazy doesn't have all of his people in place in the front office. I think people need to understand that. Like, I think as fans, we have more access to what teams do and at every level than we ever have. Like we know who these front office names are. Like we don't need to know Ryan Grigson, like, like his role in the Vikings. Like it doesn't matter. It shouldn't, but like we care, right? Like there are those roles within our front office that we seem to care about that. We think we know what the impact is, but like, and the scouts and like, we learned like Brit, like Brzezinski, like we know all these names that we probably shouldn't have access to, but again, we do. Um, I think I'm also excited to see a little bit more of like, what areas do, does Quazy think post draft does he need to bring in from his people? And like how, how many people does he feel he needs to bring in from the outside in to help rebuild his foundational front office? Yeah, and, and it'll also be interesting to see like what areas, not just which people, but I think like which yeah, areas yeah. he feels like he needs to bring people in will be really telling as well to really give us a thought on like what he Obviously, right now, everyone's saying all the nice nice things. Everyone's saying, like, oh, great organization, this person, that person. But we'll start to see some of that real, like you said, when they have to start hiring folks and, like, oh, okay, like, they hired someone who does a similar job to that other person. Or, oh, it looks like they're trying to beef up their analytics department. Or, oh, wow, like, they're really changing some things from a scouting department. That'll start to let us really know, like, yeah, where the changes are, what the philosophy is going to look like. And so, yeah, those are some interesting things that usually happen kind of after the draft even that'll that'll help us understand kind of where we're at and what the team's really going to look like uh in the future years so like that's a that's a really great call out as well um coaching staff it's finalized i know we talked about a lot of these names already but um now that the coaching staff's all the way locked in it's really in place anything else that you wanted to add on that in terms of you know what you're thinking about when you think about this coaching staff i guess dave if you could just throw the the, the graphic that has everybody up there. And I guess if there's anyone's names that, that, uh, that stood out, I know that you, you called out last time that it looks like a staff that is committed to uh, like player development, especially on the offensive side of the ball, anything else now that like yeah. the defensive staff is, is locked in and we're good to go. Oh, should I go a full deep dive into the new inside linebackers coach or no? Um, I mean, I know, no, I know that's, I, I know you I, love I, that. I know you love it. <laughs> I do, but no, um, I, like like I said before, I think what you see is there is a lot of a lot of experience, but there's also a lot of opportunity, and I think that's what I'm most excited about. Um, on Ed Donatel's side, on the defensive side, obviously Ed Donatel's been around a long time. There's uh, um, Mike Petton, who's the uh, assistant head coach. I think he's going to bring a lot of uh, senior leadership to the defensive side too, and bring that perspective. And then you have. Greg Minuski, I don't know, say, but he was—he's a former D coordinator, former, you know, he's a longtime uh, NFL coach. Um, so they, they have a lot of experience within that room, and then, but then you also have some younger um, people like Durante Jones, who was here in Minnesota and back in uh, 2019 or 2020, excuse me, um, as a DB coach under Zim, went to L, went back to or went to LSU to be their D coordinator. Uh, then they got rid of their staff, so he's back uh, in Minnesota as a DB coach. I'm. I'm excited to see – I think he's finally getting an opportunity to to um, to have a future in Minnesota and maybe a future um, that provides more opportunities within the, the defensive structure and his responsibilities that I don't think Zim was, was giving any of his defensive 
assistance. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that there's an opportunity there for Durante Jones. Um, Chris Rump, um, I think um, we've heard good things about him. So um, I like a little bit of the flavor that the defensive defense has. It has a lot of experience, but then they have a few guys that – coaches that are, are up-and-comers. And then you look at the offensive side of the ball, I think that's where they're really – there's they're a real opportunity. And this is the one part that we – the Vikings had a little bit of this on offense, fortunately, even though they had a lot of turnover at OC. Um, but when you do have a head coach that's an offensive-minded coach, you might lose a Wes Phillips in a year or two or you know a couple of years because he's the OC of a you hope to be a really good offense. Um, but what they put in place was a lot of a lot of young but um, up and coming coaches that might be able to slide into that OC role in a couple of years. And so I'm excited to see how that plays out. And again, back to the player development part. I think the player development part is the key. Can some of these assistant coaches behind the scenes help develop some of the younger players that might not be getting as much playing time, but they're doing stuff on the practice field in the weight rooms and in the meeting rooms that that can help speed up their their learning curve to get on the field and be have an impact earlier. Yeah, and before this staff was finalized, I guess Dave, uh, you can you can pull down the graphic. Uh, before the staff was finalized in the early days. Like there were a lot of rumors popping up, like this person, that person. And there was a bit of angst around like Vikings Twitter. If you hopped into, you know, Reddit or anything like that, people felt like, oh my God, like all the good coaches are gone. Our staff is going to be terrible. I wish we had this person or that person or that person. Now that the staff has been finalized, like how do you feel about it? And uh, are you feeling good about this staff? Or do you feel like, oh man, there's some names that got away that I would have rather had? I mean, it's really hard to know, like, especially position coaches, it's really hard to know actually how good some of those coaches are actually are. Like all you, all we really have to go off is, um, all we really have to go off is like the position, the players that they've coached and see, and if those players have become good, then we, then we think that those coaches are like up and coming or really good. But like, I think what I like about the coaching staff in itself is there's a variety. And I think, I don't think KOC got every every person he wanted to bring over. That's okay. I don't think every every coach is going to get those opportunities where they get every single assistant coach that they want to get. Like we know he tried to go after one of the Rams DB assistants. It didn't happen. They got blocked. Like that's okay. They they rerouted to Durante Jones. Like he's from what we know has been was seen as a good developer when he was here. Um a good coach. So someone else gets an opportunity and I think that's that's okay. I think in the coaching ranks um, you don't always get the the, play, the the coaches you want, but someone else gets an opportunity. Maybe they'll step up. So it's really tough. I think on the defensive side, we have a good under good idea of the experience levels, and I think the experience levels is 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 very important to the defensive side, so that you know KOC can kind of give them that freedom. But I'm hoping you know the offensive side can follow suit on that. But I think having O'Connell in place to set that infrastructure and then Wes Phillips who has a lot of experience as well. Um, I think, I think they're in good hands, at least in the short term. I we'll see, I, but I do, I do say that we need to like have a little bit of patience because it's still super early. Like there's still, there's going to be growing pains. Like I know it feels like we're going to go out and, and be a playoff team, but like there's going to be growing pains and that should be okay. As long as you start seeing consistency, cohesion and progress. And so just to shout out a couple of the comments that we've had in here, shout out to Dinesh, 
yes, I also agree that Miles is uh, up and coming and could be climbing the NFL ranks. His takes are always on point. And so it's always nice if we get a show where it's just the two of us, where we get a bit more from Miles uh, and he gets a bit more time on here. So uh, shout out to Dinesh for calling out what uh, what we all know. Miles is the secret weapon up in here. And then Jeffrey asked us, uh, are we going to be getting some of the JR draft takes uh, this season in draft season? Jeffrey, what I'll tell you is that we get JR draft takes on a daily basis. Will they show up on the podcast? <laughs> Unlikely, unless anyone knows a great corporate lawyer who can maybe find a wiggle room in the contract that JR signed with ESPN. Uh, but we will get the takes that we can get from JR, and we will share the good word with you whenever we are allowed throughout all of draft season. And like Jake said, it is amazing to see our boy crushing it at life, living his dream over at ESPN, yep. kicking it over there with Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay. And uh, just doing the damn thing. It brings us all the joy. When we open, when we initially started, uh, I don't hate Sam Bradford on Blogger. You know, this was Jr.'s goal, and so it's amazing to see him living that. And uh, yeah, we'll bring you the takes that we can. We just probably won't see his actual face here. Maybe we can get uh, Dave to make a graphic of him when we're going to be on a spitball on a Jr.'s take for. <laughs> um next thing you said we're not going to make it a kirk show but like since the last time we were on there were a couple articles that came out um in one of the articles it was basically saying that zim was basically over kirk kirk wasn't making enough plays and zim was (laughs) trashing kirk to the full coaching staff um but then there were also reports that came out that said that uh kirk cousins influenced the hiring of kevin o'connell um and so I guess, Miles, looking for your perspective here, because I know that you had thoughts on uh, really both those things. I guess, what are your thoughts yeah. on, like, you know, the relationship with the outgoing coach and the fact that Kirk seems to have influence over the hiring of uh, the incoming coach? Well, so the first part, the the Zim article uh, from Chad Graff at The Athletic, I think, I think we all kind of, like, knew. I think, like secretly whether it was secretly openly whatever like i think we all kind of had an understanding that zim didn't like kirk like we all knew that it wasn't a surprise it it the fact that it's coming out now is is even less of a surprise because all the tea is coming out is being spilled out of, of the vikings front office and especially zim since since they left um kind of funny that rick has kind of gone on he's kind of gone unweathered uh since since that firing, um, I know we've seen him in, out in public, and Zim's literally taken all the all the heat. And this is coming from someone that I've been out on Zim for a few years. I've been I've been over his thing, his shtick, his his kind of like bullshit the last few years. I've been out on that for a while. Um, but I I I think one thing that we need to understand is two parts here. Yes, Zim's. Zim, it got tired. It got, it got old. It got like, it was time for, to move on from Zim. You'll never hear me say otherwise, but Zim cannot be the only thing that was an issue with this team. Cause it's not true. Um, I think it's funny that six months ago, you would have saw so many people telling you to kick rocks if they wanted to move on from Zim. And then all of a sudden a few stories come out. That means Zim's the, this like really bad guy, this bad guy that Zim's the, you know, Zim's the, the root of all the problems. Um, the Vikings are now fixed because Zim's gone. Like those types of things just kind of rub me the wrong way. And the fact that 
yes, I, I believe Zim was a big a big factor in, in some of the negativity and the issues that were happening within the team. And um, it got stale. It got old. The players seemed to be over it. The, the players were, like you would think, players that have been with Zim for five, six, seven years would, would have gotten a little bit more say in, within, you know, some of what's going on in the locker room. Well, it didn't seem like Zim was having that. So I can understand those aspects of things, but Zim was still a good football coach. Um, now, I, I'm not a fan of the the fact that it got out. I, I'm, not, I'm never a fan of some of this stuff getting out. Like, it's really great that we get to hear it because you'd love to get inside and, and to hear what happens. I'm not a fan of some of that stuff getting out because I think, especially within a coach's meeting, if Zim's talking openly about – Kirk wasn't the only person that Zim talked openly negatively about. I guarantee that. In the, within coaching meetings, maybe maybe he took it over the top with Kirk, but Kirk wasn't the only one that got the the wrath of Zim. Um, but that stuff's not coming out. So, just some of that stuff is a little where I struggle a little bit. Um, and but you also found out that like there are some coaches that agree with Zim on on the Kirk situation, but you don't know who those coaches are. Nobody mentioned the name them by name. So it's kind of funny that like there's that that whole thing. Um, but the other part of that too is I think I think Zim's right. I thought Zim was right from the jump in 2018. He felt he he saw the writing on the wall that if they spend too much at quarterback and they don't get enough return from quarterback, it's going to be harder to fill out the rest of the roster. And Zim Zim foreshadowed that. And maybe it wasn't the exact way he envisioned it, but Zim foreshadowed exactly what what Eric, friend of the show, you know, Eric Eager mentioned is. It's not that Kirk's not a good quarterback. It's not even that his market value is bad. It's when you're not making your team that much better to overcome the deficiencies elsewhere because you can't pay for it, it just makes the margin for error that much harder. So um, that's that part that that I struggle with in the end. Um, but yes, Timothy, I'm 100% agree. Zimmer, Zimmer got himself fired 100,000%. Like, it's on Zimmer, especially the last two years. Like, I have no issues with like ragging on Zim. I, I I thought Zim should have been fired. Like I would have been okay moving on from Zim after 2019. Um, but the other other part of it was uh, what was the other part, Jason? It was uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Kirk influenced the head coaching hire. The the influence of the head coaching hire. So two part two things there too. So we heard from Patrick Peterson on his podcast that the ownership called in some of the players from leadership. I think it was the day after the 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 day the, the they fired Zim and Rick. I think that was the Monday after the season, um, and they kind of wanted to get their 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 um, their thoughts, their feedback into like how the team dynamic was from the leadership standpoint, from the locker room. They wanted to hear all that, and I think the players got to talk openly about that. And I think that's great. Um, I don't want to over. I think it's being overstated too much, and probably for for a reason that like Kirk. Kirk is not the reason Kevin O'Connell is here. Like Kirk may have, they, the Vikings went to Kirk and asked their thoughts on Kevin O'Connell a hundred thousand percent. They should, he's your quarterback. He's someone that is supposed to be the leader in the, the uh, quote unquote face of your franchise. He's your highest paid player. You know, and he's been here and he's worked with Kevin O'Connell. So to ask him what, what that experience was like for him makes all the sense in the world. Now, does that, influence the final decision to hire him no way i i it might have like it just adds another check mark to like the resume 
that they're looking for for a new head coach, that's great. But did did uh, did they ask Delvin Tomlinson about uh, Patrick Graham when he interviewed? Like he he played with him in in New York before he came to Minnesota. So it's like it, there's just like all these things. So yes, I believe that Kirk Cousins provided input on who who he knows Kevin O'Connell to be from a player standpoint. Do I believe that that's the reason that Kevin O'Connell got the job or like completely influenced the decision? No, I don't. What do you make of, of Kevin O'Connell's thoughts that at this stage in Kirk's career, um, they can help him be a better leader on offense and help him step more into that role? Because uh, that was something that definitely jumped out at me because uh, – it seemed odd. It's not like Kirk is like Justin Fields going into year two or something like Kirk's a veteran who's right, been in the league right. for a while. Uh, so I just thought that was an, inter- it was an interesting thing for the coach to say. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm curious for, for your thoughts. Cause Quasi also had some things, you know, Kirk can spin the ball, but he also talked a bit about, you know, on script, off script, like when things are easy, Kirk will get everything that's, that's there for you. When things break down, maybe he's not the guy for that. Um, and so like, you know O'Connell's comments, exactly, Crazy's yeah. comments. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very, uh, yeah, c- curious on like your thoughts on, yeah, Kirk turning into a different sort of leader at this stage in his career. Yeah, I think, I think the one thing about that is if somebody knows the type of person and the type of leader and type of quarterback Kirk Cousins is, it's Kevin O'Connell. He, he was his quarterback coach his last year in in Washington before he came to Minnesota. So I think it says a lot about the fact that he knows what it's good that he, like if Kirk is going to be here, he knows how he can get him to, and maybe not, it's not Kirk directly connecting with the players. um, I guess his teammates, which I still think is very weird, but excuse me, what we've heard from about Kirk is Kirk's Kirk's not that like build tight, tight knit relationships with his, with his teammates. He's a, I come to work, I get my job, I do my job and I go home to my family type of type of person. And it's hard to have that type of player at quarterback, that like mentality, but that's what we have, right? So I think in that instance, O'Connell saying I can help provide that like buffer or connection to the other players on the team that Zim couldn't, that Zim clearly couldn't do. Zim couldn't be that in between hey, let me have a relationship with the quarterback and then the rest of the team and kind of talk about how it all encompassing works together. Um, So I I think that's more of what he meant. And I think the relatability aspect of it, like Kirk doesn't relate to most of his teammates. I think that's fine. Like it's it's not the best thing, but it's not not the worst thing either. Like it is what it is, right? Like you don't relate to all the people you work with. You don't relate to your boss or, you know, those things every, every, you know, like all the time. So it's finding that like middle ground of not me. Like I remember in 2018, remember the, the pregame like speeches that they tried to get Kirk to do. Like, Ooh. I don't think O'Connell's going to ask Kirk to do those types of things because that's just not who Kirk is. And I think that's okay. Kirk doesn't have to be the rah-rah guy, the guy that like has to pump up the team every week, but there needs to be a little bit of the like, getting behind the quarterback and I'm not saying players don't get behind Kirk, but Kirk's not the person to say, Hey, jump on, jump on my back and let's go. 
But Connell's the type of coach to say, hey, let's jump on, let's jump on Kirk's back and let's ride because I'm going to be the one driving the bus. So I think it's about who's driving the bus. O'Connell, like a Sean McVay, like a um, Kyle Shanahan, is going to be the type of coach that likes to drive the bus. Now, Matthew Stafford be- came into to L.A. and he started to, to well, drive a lot. Negative. McVay. Andrew, we, we do not want to see more of that. I just had no, – we, we, we don't no, want we don't, more gritty. We, we don't want to see – we don't want to see gritty. We, no, 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 no more no, – um, <laughs> no more gritty from Kirk. But, but like, so, so you remember, you, you remember McVay with Goff, McVay with Goff was calling all the shots. McVay was the one driving the bus of that offense, literally telling Goff where to go with the football before this, before the headset turned off. And Goff was like, was a soldier doing the job that he was being told to do. Kirk in a lot of ways is a, Kirk is like a significantly better Jared Goff. If you have a coach that can tell Kirk what to do with the ball, where to go and, and like, make his life easier in that way. He's a perfect soldier. He's the guy that comes to work, gets the job done and goes home. If you tell him and lead him where to go. And I think that's fine. Like that's who Kirk is. And I think that's fine. Like, but if you brought in a guy like Kevin O'Connell to do that, and you think you can get the most out of Kirk from that. Fantastic. I, I would caution the fact that they tried to do it with Kubiak. And I think Gary Kubiak very much did a similar thing. I think Gary Kubiak did a really good job of leading the horse to water and making that job easier on the, on the quarterback because he positioned the reads and he positioned the offense to fit that. And so I think O'Connell can do a very similar thing. I think Stefanski too, I should say in 2019 as well. Um, I think O'Connell can do a very similar thing to where he can lead the horse to water and then the horse just needs to drink. I mean, that is Kirk Baker versus chef. All right. Um, Eric's article, we talked about that a little bit there. Uh, the Combine, it's coming up. And this is kind of the, the point in the offseason when we as, as as NFL fans start to get excited again because, like, there's people doing football sort of things. The league is all together. And rumors start to come out. And um, I'm curious for your take on the Combine. Like, are you still as pumped, still as excited about it? Because I know that we were talking about that article that talked about how, like, the Rams don't send, like, the top of their kind of brain trust to the Combine uh, in the ways that they have in, in times past because they feel like they can get a lot of that information through other means. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm curious for your thoughts. Like, are you as into the Combine as you have been previously? Like, and, and what are your thoughts on how the Vikings uh, should or will kind of uh, go about things uh, as, as we get back into kind of the offseason? So I'm still into it. I, I love it. I think it's fun, I, I, especially the skill the skill players on both sides of the ball. I don't really think it's all that fun to watch linemen run around, <laughs> but, but like that's not that's it's not designed for them, right? It's not. Um, sorry, Dave. Uh, I, do, I do enjoy it. <laughs> sorry, Dave. Um, but I, I do I do like um, I do really like the combine and for what it is. I I do say though the one thing that we overstate with the combine is how much it actually impacts teams boards like their their draft boards teams know like to your point jason teams know a lot of this information about players like there's now gps tracking on um in college football so like teams can have a good idea of how fast a player actually is on the field heading into the combine that they didn't have before so that information means that 
their 40 time might have some means of an impact, but you know how fast they are on the football field playing the game. And that in itself is more important than the 40 time you see someone try to get into an attract stance that they rarely ever do in a, on a football field. So um, I think those types of things that us as fans will start to like say, Oh, X player, they ran this 40. They had this, they, you know, these agility drills and they scored these. That means they went from being a second round pick to a first round pick. Like a lot of teams might've already had those players in, a, in that position already. This is just more confirming some of the information that they, and affirming some of the information that they already assumed or had seen previously. Yeah, that's a really great call. And Jonas called it out in terms of the thing that I think that like I also am probably most excited about is the rumors that start to come out around the combine. Yeah. Because you get all of the NFL yeah. together, all the media together. Guys are going out, you know, having some drinks, doing those sorts of things. And, you know, things start to come out. And uh, Judd has been, you know, there's been a lot of smoke around, you know, maybe uh, us getting some help on the offensive line from uh, from Judd talking about uh, you know, Brandon Scherf wanting to come back closer to home. Uh, I guess, what are your thoughts on that? And have there been any other rumors that have uh, that you've seen or that maybe you're expecting to come out, uh, you know, now that folks are together and talking football again? Did I lose your mouse? Yeah, on oh, my bad. Oh. My bad. You repeat it? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, any rumors that, that uh, are bubbling up that uh, have you excited about you know, the direction the Vikings might go? You know, we're being linked to, I think, every big uh, interior offensive lineman that pops up. So I'm curious if there's anything that, that's popped up that you've heard of or anything that's making you excited about, you know, the moves or the direction that the Vikings might go in. I actually think I I love that we don't know. For so long, we kind of always had an idea of, of what, heading into the combine, what the direction was going to be. Now, we have an idea of some of the outs, like the major holes that the, the team needs to fill. And so that you can use as, a, as an assumption heading into the combine of where they might go. But we don't fully know right now what their plan is. And they obviously need to free up cap space. How are they going to do that? What holes are they going to then create by by fill, by opening up cap space that they need to refill that they need to fill? Um, but honestly, talking about the interior offensive line, the one thing that I wouldn't be surprised about, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't make some major move on off at the offensive line this offseason. I know it would drive fans nuts, but like a guy like Wyatt Davis might be, they might give him a like maybe they'll bring in a cheaper vet as like as as depth and competition. But maybe Wyatt Davis actually gets a shot to be the starting right guard. They already have Brian O'Neill and Christian Derrissaw in place. They got Ezra Cleveland at left guard. And lastly, I wouldn't not I would not be surprised if Garrett Bradbury got got first crack at at the center position this year. I wouldn't be surprised at all. He's in the last year of his rookie deal. Um, there's there's a there's there's a skill set there that you can work with. And so, I wouldn't be surprised if the new offensive line coach would be eager and willing to see if he can make that work. You know, you have him under contract. You know, he's not that expensive, but like he's a guy that there is draft pedigree there, whether he should have been drafted there or not, there is. So maybe the new coach thinks, hey, maybe I can get the most out of Garrett Bradbury that the old offensive line coach couldn't. Um, that doesn't mean they won't bring in competition. Maybe they will bring in somebody to supersede, to to take over his spot. Who knows? But, 
you know, I just wouldn't be surprised if the offensive line isn't like a Brandon Scherf or, a, you know, some of these other high-priced offensive guards or centers. I wouldn't be surprised if the Vikings stayed away because of all the other holes that they have at places like cornerback, edge, um, safety, potentially safety, linebacker, like those types cornerback of Cornerback again. D-line. <laughs> yeah, cornerback three times over. Like, um, I wouldn't be surprised if the offensive line just didn't really – become too much of a factor this year which might That's be okay it. depending on who they who, which might be okay depending on who they who they brought in like maybe they bring in a a decent but cheap veteran that is fine like i think you know depending on who's available all right last question for you before we get up out of here uh our friend eric basically said that we're all looking at things wrong when we're thinking about the real upside <laughs> to having O'Connell come in here as an offensive guy with this great staff that he's put together, Eric's perspective on this is that get a cheap quarterback, let O'Connell basically juice that quarterback's performance, and then max out the rest of the team and see where you can mm-hmm. go. So curious for your perspective on that play versus the maybe have O'Connell take Kirk from playing like a, you know, top 10 quarterback to maybe a top five ish type quarterback. And which thing you think would be better for the team uh, as we're, we're thinking about, you know, roster construction, team building here. Well, when you talk about team building and roster construction, you talk about margin for error. And so when you don't have cap space, or you don't have like draft capital and equity that you can build to fix some of those areas, which the Vikings have don't have much of either. You need to find areas that, that you can create that larger margin for error. And obviously quarterbacks, the number one thing that can do that because you either have, if you have an elite elite player, he can help, you know, um, cover up for the deficiencies in other areas, or you have a quarterback that's somewhat cheap that, you can then build those some of those other inefficient areas that the quarterback might not be able to cover up for um, because you're, you've paid for it you have, with draft capital. You have, you've been able to build up the roster in other areas to help that player. And so I'm with Eric in that like you brought Kevin O'Connell here because he can help bring the most out of a quarterback, but the margin that you're, you'd be getting from an expensive Kirk Cousins with Kevin O'Connell less elsewhere is not going to be that much higher than what we've seen over the last four years. It really isn't. There might be a a tad more consistency, but in general, Kirk's been a a fairly consistent quarterback. Um, So in my opinion, I think, you know, for me, the idea for, for me, it'd be about going and getting cheaper at quarterback and building everywhere else so that you can focus on building a foundational roster and if that whatever quarterback you bring in that that ends up being cheaper if they don't pan out you have room to fit another quarterback in place because you've started to build the rest of that foundation elsewhere word well that is it and uh is that still the case i'll have to go look it up i know that it was the case last year where defense we were spending more and it was still terrible but i feel like all of those not all a lot of those players are now free agents and so we got to figure things out to just be able to feel the defense yeah. in the first place. 
But uh, yeah, that's it. Y'all, thanks for, for coming through and rocking with us. It's nice to be on. It is the off season, so we're doing uh, every other week until things really get going towards draft time. So thanks, as always, for coming through. Shout out to all the listeners, to all the viewers who are in here chopping it up with us in the comments. Obviously, there's some familiar faces. We got some new faces in here as well. Uh, Dinesh, you should know Eric. He's our man from uh, Pro Football Focus, one of their executives. He's been rocking with us since the very, very beginning. But now that he's big time, you know, we can get him in here when we can get him in here. And that's not all the time. But uh, all of y'all, thank you so much for coming through. Miles, as always, it is a pleasure. The folks are loving you. If you haven't already, I appreciate like, it. Appreciate subscribe. It. Everybody, everybody, really do. Ring the bell. Tell your friends to do likewise. And, uh, yeah, we will be back. Jonas is in the comments. You'll be seeing him throughout the offseason, bringing that heat, talking about the Vikings. And, uh, Dave, talk to the people. What's cracking for the rest of the week? Tomorrow night on Vikings Happy Hour, we have Mr. Gessling of the um, Star Tribune. And he is going to be our guest drinking beer or alcohol of some sort and having a good time talking about what he is hearing in Indy. And I think he's actually in Indy when he, uh, when Matt got him to agree to come on. So this should be fun. Thursday night, we have the great flip Mazze and Eric Thompson. He's back. Daily Norseman. It's a full week of, Climb in the pocket. And then, of course, on Saturday, you have myself and Darren Campbell, the other Canadian in the group, Jason being the first and original one, who uh, will wrap things up and start next week all at the same time. Boom. We love it. Well, as always, we love all of y'all. Thanks for coming through. And Dave, play the music. Skull Vikings. Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And if you're listening on your favorite aggregator, make sure you rate us. And always feel free to join the conversation here at Climb in the Pocket. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.